In the proper last gospel that we'll read at today's Mass, it says, And immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be moved, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is a true story that once there was a man, a very holy man in Germany, who lived all by himself. He was well known for his holiness and his miracles. He would often cure the sick and heal the blind. Of course, he gained much attention from those of, this, of the surrounding area who then often went to pay him a visit. And on one occasion, it was the Emperor Otto himself that decided to go and visit this saint. By the time their conversation was finished, the Emperor was so impressed that he told the saint, Father, ask whatever you want of me, and even if you want half my kingdom, I promise I will give it to you. But the saint placed his own hand upon the emperor's heart, and he said, Prince, I have no use for your crown and your treasures, but there is one favor that I ask of you, and that is this, that amidst all of your pomp, all of your majesty, that you should withdraw each day, even for just a few moments, into the hidden recesses of your heart in order to reflect seriously upon the account you will one day render to God. And he continued by quoting Pope Clement, who said, For who shall be able to sin if he always places before his eyes the judgment of God, which will certainly be exacted at the end of the world? Wise words, those. But concerning the end time and the judgment. St. Jerome says that there will be trumpets. He says, at the sound of the trumpets, the whole earth will be stricken with fear. And he, con he, he continues to say, so whether you are reading or sleeping, writing or keeping watch, let that trumpet always resound in your ears. At this sound of the trumpet, which the archangels, as it says in the gospel, will sound, Christ will then send his angels to the four winds, that is, to all the places on earth, to gather together the elements, the parts that have ever belonged to our bodies, and the resurrection of the body in this manner will take place. And one author even says, concerning those buried at sea, he says that ocean and land will open up their depths to show forth their victims. Even they will rise. The entire human race will be raised and gathered together by the power of God. Not a single person 
who has ever lived will be accepted. Adam, Eve, they'll be there. The chief priests who condemned our Lord and hated him, as well as the apostles who loved our Lord and died for his faith, will be there. Martin Luther, as well as St. Francis Borgia, King Henry VIII, as well as St. Thomas More, Roncalli, Paul VI, even Bergoglio, will be there with the great Pope St. Pius X. And the elites of today, they will be there as well, but so will you and I. It is a general opinion among the fathers of the Church that when we are gathered, it will, we will be gathered in the Valley of Josephat. Now included in the borders of this valley are the town of Jerusalem, the hill of Calvary, and the mountain of Olives. All those places where our Lord was humiliated in his passion, where he suffered, where he shed his blood and died. You might ask why we would be taken to the Valley of Josephat. Well, it is simple. Our Lord, in his great mercy, in his love for his Father and for souls, shed his blood there for your redemption. He was mocked there by his persecutors. And so it is fitting that at the very spot where he was mocked, he should exact a just vengeance upon those who mocked him. And it is only fitting that where the crucifixion and our redemption took place, so also should the perfect fulfillment, the fullness of the fruits of the Passion, be given to the saints who then ascend into heaven. It's a beautiful thought, really. But our Lord, at that moment, he'll be surrounded by those angels, your angels, the ones that are beside you now. He'll be surrounded by them because they helped man to work out their salvation. And then our Lord, in great triumph and great majesty, will descend into the region of the air. He will not be on the ground, only the reprobate will be on the ground, but our Lord will be up above everyone, solemnly. He will appear with the face and the form that he had on earth. He will hold his cross in his arms, and he will possess the five holy wounds, those works of mercy. And it is said that the reprobate, that is, those who will not save their souls, when they are brought before Christ's judgment seat, they will no longer dare to oppose his justice, as they had always done on earth. And the good, that is, the saints who will go to heaven, when they see Christ on his judgment seat, they will feel drawn to him in greater trust. You don't often think of that, but St. Paul himself said that whenever he thought about his judgment. He was always filled with hope 
and joy at the thought that Christ would be his judge. He said whenever he thought about it, all his fears, all his distrust vanished because our Lord is perfectly just, rendering to each his due. The reprobate and all of those who openly fought against the social reign of Jesus Christ in society will say, in the words of Scripture, this is he whom we once held as a laughing stock and as a type for mockery. His life was accounted madness and his death dishonor. And this judgment that takes place will cover every single crime, every misdemeanor of the entire history of the human race. The entire life of each human being, from the first man, Adam, until the last man to live on the face of the earth, will be revealed to everyone. No action, no word, no desire, no motivations will remain unknown to anyone. Hypocrisies will be revealed and conspiracies will be shown forth. And the effects that our sins have had on others will be made known to everyone. For instance, the one sin of Martin Luther to write the, the theses that he posted on that monastery door, well, it was a single sin, an isolated act, you would say, but that single sin has caused so much damage for all of those years, and it must be accounted for. Or you will see the good effects that people have had on others. For instance, the writings of St. Augustine, or to bring it home a little closer, for even the writings of a Father Cicada, how many souls have been brought to the true faith. At this general judgment, every wrong that was ever committed will be made right. It is said that the blood of Abel, which washed the earth, will just gush out all over Cain and raise an accusing voice against him. St. Peter, the apostle, will demand an account of Nero, the emperor, for the torture to which he sentenced him. And Mary Stuart will call down the divine vengeance upon the head of Elizabeth of England, her murderer. In other words, all the ways of divine providence will be made known. How often it happens in life that you say, or are tempted to say, that you do not trust in the ways of providence. But in a single instance, you will see the wisdom with which God has arranged all things, why he permits the sinner to flourish, while you who are trying so very hard to serve God have so many crosses. You will understand it. And how God uses the sins of others to sanctify the just. You will understand it all at the general judgment. 
But why the general judgment when there's already been a particular one at the end of our life? St. Thomas says, first of all, so that we see the social effects of our sins on others. Again, this, this attains particularly to leaders of nations. It might seem that when you see them or hear about them committing a sin, that it's just one isolated act and it doesn't have any effect on anyone else. But at the general judgment, you will see the effects that it had on society, those people's sins. Secondly, St. Thomas says that the general judgment must occur in order to set straight the false judgments and opinions of man. How often have you been falsely accused? How often has injury been done to your reputation? That will all be set astraight in front of the whole of mankind. Every pretense, every hypocrisy will be laid bare. And thirdly, St. Thomas says, it must take place so that each man's reward or punishment be made public. We will get to see all the mercies that God has bestowed on a certain person and how he either rejected those mercies and graces or embraced them. How it was that God saved his soul or at least led him down the path of heaven and then all will be made known. The Catechism Explained says, when the sun rises, the snow melt, and leave bare all that lies beneath them, so shall it be when the Son of Justice mounts the heavens, all sins will be revealed, and the revelation of them will be worse than hell to the sinner, while to the just there will be glory because they did penance. And Saint Gertrude the Great, said that on that day the white robe of sanctifying grace will hide the sin and instead of this, the stains which were removed by penance there will be ornaments of gold for the just. Now dear faithful, these topics are always a little bit frightening to think about but because they are a reality a reality which will come to pass, which you cannot hide from, and the results of which will be eternal, never to be changed. It is not to discourage you that the priest must preach about these things, but rather he preaches it to discourage sin in you. If you have lived up to now a life of great sin and who hasn't in one way or another but you have repented sincerely then you have no reason to fear the judgment of God but if you are presently in sin even above all mortal sin then give it up once and for all the thought of eternity will help you to do that. 
face the fear. I found that the best way to, face, to deal with fear is to face it, to look at it, to stare it down, and to do something about it. The fear and anguish that a sinner has is not going to go away by pretending that Judgment Day will not come. It will not go away if you continually look for distractions in social media and all of the rest, in games and in visits with friends. The only way to gain peace is to deal with the fear. Look at your, your coming judgment day and do something about it. Repent. Go to confession because there you will meet the God who alone can bring peace. For the Catholic, every day is a day of preparation for Judgment Day. But we must remember that God gives all the means to make that day a great one. His love for your soul is infinite. Such is his love for your soul that he willingly shed every single drop of his blood on Calvary just for you. He instituted the sacraments as a means of grace and called you to the faith so that you could receive them. And in return for all this, all he asks for is your love. My wish, my prayer for you as the pastor of this parish is this, that you spend your days no longer in sin, complaining about this life and its burdens, but in the fulfillment of your duties of state in life, in the, spiritual, the practice of the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, a life of prayer and of the reception of the sacraments, and the courageous bearing of your crosses. But if you still fear Judgment Day, think of Our Lady. It was revealed to St. Bridget, and on this quote I will end my sermon. Our Lady said, As a mother who sees her son exposed to the sword of the enemy makes every effort to save him, so do I, and will I ever do for my children, sinful though they be, if only they come to me for help. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.